Hey, y'all, my name is Nicole Rowan, and this is my podcast, a space to encourage you, share biblical truths, get all of these thoughts in my head out, and introduce you to some amazing people along the way. For more info, you can go to NicoleRowan.com. I'm super excited to be sharing a, a friend and a mentor with you today, Natalie. She um, she has been a great voice, her and her husband, in my husband and I's life um, of just showing us what loving on people in the Middle East looks like and also um, having a heart for California and America, which is where they were for many of years. Um, so I, I wanted to bring her on today to talk about her journey with the Holy Spirit. And, and Natalie, I'd love for you to jump in and just share a little bit more about what you all are doing in the Middle East. And for those of you listening, there are some things that she won't be able to uh, to share um, and uh, and use names and things. So, you know, we'll use we'll use fake names and, and all that good stuff. But um, I wanted her to just share about her journey with the Holy Spirit and what it looked like early in ministry or as a believer before um, they knew the Holy Spirit and what it looks like now. And and I'd love for you to even share some testimonies of what you've been seeing God do in the Middle East, because right now the Middle East is a big talk happening. Um, and so I'd love for you to just shed some insight on ministry for y'all in the Middle East um, and and what your journey with the Holy Spirit has looked like. Because you, you've been a Christian for how long? Oh, 35 years. Okay. And <laughs> you've known the Holy Spirit. You've done ministry with the Holy Spirit for how long? 20. Okay. So there are 15 years there that um, you were a Christian going to church, reading your Bible, um, but obviously didn't know the Holy Spirit at that time. So things have looked you know, radically different for you. So I'd love for you um, to give my listeners just a little bit more info about you and yeah, just share with us the journey, maybe those 15 years, what that looked like as a believer and then what it looks like now. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so... We have lived in the Middle East for 28 years, and um, when we started, um, you know, I was just normal. I'm, I'm a Christian, and I met my husband, and he, I think on the first date, he said, I'm going to spend the rest of my, in one year, I'm leaving for the Middle East, I'm going to spend the rest of my life there, so I just want you to know what would that be, you know, I just want you to know, do you want to get involved or not? Like, do you want to start dating me? I'm like, yeah! I mean, why not? I'm, I'm like 19. Why not? So um, I had never met any with anyone without much passion. You know, every I'm living in Orange County. I'm, you know, my goal was to have a Ferrari and a house on the beach, right? <laughs> so he's like, yeah, well, don't you know there's a billion Muslims going to hell? And don't you want to spend 70 years of your life? That's what, We're only on this planet for a short time and spend your life on Jesus instead of spend your life on yourself. And I was like, wow, yes. Like I was like sold. I had just come back to the Lord and, and I was just to, to hear somebody that had such passion. And so it sent me on this journey with him and he did end up going overseas. Anyway, that's another story, but he came back after that year. We got engaged, got married. And then, so I'm like, I'm on this thing with him. I'm like, I'll go anywhere with you. I'll live in a dump with you. I had no idea what I was really saying. Um, and so that, you know, we began the journey, um, and we started off in London and we were trained how to do apologetics, um, how to debate Muslims on the street, uh, hand out tracts. Did not like that. Um, just always on the streets, always doing evangelism, always trying to meet people. And, um, you know, slowly but surely it was, um, <laughs> not fun. And I was like, this is not me and I'm not liking this. But, you know, I, you know, then we decided to go to Jordan to learn, to learn, um, Arabic at a language school there in Jordan. And once I arrived there, I was like, oh no, what did I get myself into? Mm -hmm. It was horrible. Like now, how long had you been in the Middle East at that point? Oh, that was the first year. First year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was in 93. So we got there in, in 93. Yeah. 93. So, um, we arrived, there's like, I mean, of course, I, I'm looking, it's super, super poor, which I wasn't used to going, I think only place I went was Hawaii and I was from California. So I lived a very cushy life. And so I'm in a poor country. Everywhere I look are mosques and everywhere I look are Muslims and, and they're not open. You know, I'm thinking, okay, here I am. Here I am. <laughs> Get saved now. And, you know, that wasn't happening. And so... 
I got, I got really depressed though. I had severe, severe culture shock. And I just said to Dave, I was like, I think we'd been there maybe a couple months. And I said, I can't do this. Like I, I got to go home. I can't do this. And he's like, okay, let's go meet with the leaders and tell them we met with the leaders. And they're like, wait, um, you like Dave, do you have a call? And he said, yes. And he said, well, then if you leave, you're in disobedience to the will of God. Wow. So Dave's like, I don't want to be in disobedience. So he's like, okay, well then we're never going home. We're never going to live in America. Um, we'll visit, but we'll never live there. And I was like, what? Like I was, I thought, oh no. So this feeling of being trapped and I, I, you know, I don't want God's will. So I'm this disobedient daughter. Um, you know, what's wrong with me. And so I just kind of viewed myself as God. I'm just one of his servants, you know, and he needs a lot of them because there's a lot of Muslims going to hell. So I guess I'm one of them. And even though I hate it, I would tell God, I hate the plan you have for me. I hate my life. Wow. Yeah. And so just continued. But the thing was, I thought, well, if I'm here, I'm living in the Middle East, I might as well go for it. So I continued to learn Arabic. I became, you know, just sharing my faith all the time. But it wasn't out of, um, like, it wasn't out of love, love for God or love for Muslims. It was out of this this is why I'm here. I must do it. Got it. Yeah. You know? So, um, I mean, I did make good Muslim friends. I love Muslims, but, um, it was not something that came out of a heart of love. It was a duty. And then I began to, I, I thought, okay, God is only happy with me when I'm sharing my faith. Wow. So then of course you want to share your faith all the time, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, that's what I was doing, but it's so crazy to think. I didn't know, I didn't know the love of God for me, like the love of the father, that he loves me. He delights in me. He likes me. And so, you know, I was doing it out of a duty, which was so, yeah, it was just, it was very difficult to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went from Jordan. So I continue to feel this. I really, I did want to die at that point. I was like, okay, how can I get out of this? And I did pray. Thank you, God, that he doesn't give cancer, um, that he, he just loves to give healing because I prayed I would get cancer. And I wow. prayed Dave would get some disease as well. Um, yes, if if God gave diseases, we would have them because okay. I prayed a lot for cancer. Now, what was that reason? So you could come home? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes, I would like anything that could get me home. I never thought of divorce, which is interesting. <laughs> I'd rather have cancer than divorce. I, I remember oh sharing this and Dave's like, wait, I didn't pray you out. I didn't know you prayed that I would have cancer. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. But thank you, Jesus, that he doesn't give it, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's a great testimony. Praise Although I did believe he did. That's why I asked mm. him. I believe he gave us sicknesses to teach us lessons, which I don't wow. believe anymore because... Jesus is the exact, God is the exact, sorry, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, yeah. and Jesus didn't give anybody sickness on. on the earth, That's right. and so God wouldn't either. That That's was right. the best news ever. That's right. Amazing news, right? Mm-hmm. I used to not want to get too close to God because I thought if I get really close, even though I'm a missionary, he's going to probably make me paraplegic wow. because they would be the ones that would have to depend on him the most, mm. right? So I stayed just a little bit away not fully surrendered because I'm like, that God is not safe. Wow. So again, that's a, that's another story in the later part, but just such a fantastic thing mm-hmm. that I can fully surrender to him. I know that whatever, wherever he calls me or whatever he wants me to do, that, um, that he will give me everything I need for that yeah. calling and that purpose. And, and he would never give me a sickness to teach me a lesson. That's right. You know? So we go from Jordan to Kuwait and we're there for a few years. Um, and then I, I do get pregnant with Joseph. So I realized, okay, I don't want to die anymore um, <laughs> because I need to stay alive for my kids, which I'm really happy that I did that at least. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to die. No more praying for cancer. Um, and just, just still struggling, still crying a lot, you know, crying a lot about being overseas and feeling like this disobedient daughter. Like, mm. I'm so disobedient. I don't want God's will. Now, how, I want to interrupt you really quick. How was Dave, your husband, at this moment? Like, you're, you're struggling. You're having a hard time. Now you're pregnant. You're going to have your first child yeah. in the Middle East. Where is he? Was he in a different space than you? Completely different. He was, you know, doing ministry. Okay. We were both doing ministry all the time, but he was so sure we need to be in the Middle East. And then he viewed me as well. He's completely different now. He viewed me as, as 
a disobedient daughter of the yeah. of God. You had a different call than he did, or I so didn't you have felt one. it. Yeah, yeah, point. yeah, yeah. He's like, well, I have a call, and I'm here, and you just want to go home. Yeah. So this very, I'm like, I have no value. Yeah, I, I, I'm not worthy. I don't know. Um, yeah. So he was in a very different headspace. He was just like, we're staying. We're going to continue to do this, and somehow you're going to have to deal with it. Mm. Eeks. Yeah. So of course we have. He's very different. We're very different now. <laughs> um, thank you, Jesus. So, um, year three in Kuwait, um, he goes and visits Yemen and in Yemen. So I'd say now in in the Middle East, or even at that time, even one, one Muslim becoming a Christians in one year would have been rare. Wow. Okay. So this is, he goes to Yemen to visit and in two weeks, 12 Muslims become Christians, some through him, some through other missionaries there. And he just said, you know what? You're doing that Blackaby study. Um, wait, and can, what, oh, I, I forgot the name of it. Shh. Experiencing God. Okay. It was like a Blackaby study. And you go where God is working. I'm like, mm. why is he using this against me, right? You <laughs> go where God is working and God is working in Yemen. I'm like, what? So, oh my goodness. So he's like, so we're moving to Yemen. Oh, wow. So at this time we didn't pray together about where we're going or future or anything. It was Dave deciding and me following. Mm. So... <laughs> I did. I was pregnant with Emily, so we went back home. I, I came um, back here to have Emily, and she was one month, and Joseph was two years old, and we moved to Yemen. Wow. Yes. When we arrive in Yemen, second day, um, we, there was a missionary family, American missionary family, that got kidnapped by these tribal people, and everybody was getting malaria. So I'm sure the stress affected affected Dave at that point. But yeah. second day we got there, Dave wakes up in the morning and he starts crying. Wow. And I'm like, why is he crying? Like, this is like, I should be the one crying. He wanted this. But anyway, it just lasts all day for many days. He st- can't stop crying. Can't wow. stop crying. Can't stop crying. And I'm thinking, this is weird. I asked him, what's going on? He's like, I have no idea. So finally, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's like four or five days. He comes to me and he's like, is this how you felt all these years? And I said, yes. I didn't need him to explain how he felt. I was like, yes, that's how I felt. He's like, okay, let's go home. So we ended up moving back here. He exa- he said, I don't have any idea what I'm going to do. Because the time he was 17, he got called to the middle. He got called to the mission field at 17. Mm-hmm. And here he was um, 30, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I was thinking, I don't care. I could care less. <laughs> Just get me back. That's all mm-hmm. that matters. We get back here. And um, I have a breakdown, um, mm-hmm. which got, would just look like I was like a lifeless, lifeless, yeah. no expression, no laughing, no, my voice was very, very, very quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I just shut down. And so people saw that the churches that have been supporting us. And so they sent us away. I'm laughing because I don't, anyway, it's such a, it's such good news. What God has done, mm-hmm. sent us away to a counseling center for missionaries that have breakdowns. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a place. So, um, we did that and that was really helpful. It wasn't about, again, about the power of God or the love of God, but it was counseling and group counseling and psychological counseling and all this, yeah. all this to get us back. And when we were there, we met so many missionaries, um, that were in much situation, much worse situations. Sure. Their teammates had tried to commit suicide. Some woman couldn't feel her legs or her arms. Oh, wow. Another couple were getting divorced. Another couple, the, the husband had become an atheist. And you know, the one thing they had in common was that they were sent to these extreme um, extreme areas with no community. Wow, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of mission organizations do. Yeah. Because they want to plant their flag like, we have no one in outer Mongolia yeah. go there. Or Yemen. There was no one with us. Yeah. We have someone in no one in Aden, Yemen. So guess what? We want to send you there. Oh my goodness, it's a disaster. So what, what, a takeaway from that was we will never go anywhere and not mm-hmm. have community. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, so we'd, we'd, uh, we came back from that. We were there a month. And within one month, so we settled. And within one month, I was at uh, Mariner's Church, actually, at a, at a missions night. And there was worship happening. But it wasn't the kind of worship they have now. It was like round tables, lights on, like no one raises their hands, no one closes their eyes. So I'm just setting the table of it was not an opportunity, typical opportunity for the Holy Spirit to break in. Hmm. So I'm sitting there and I'm just singing the words, you know, and all of a sudden I hear in my head, I'm giving you my heart for the Muslim world. Wow. He said, this is separate from Dave's 
Wow. This is, and he kept echoing it. I'm giving you my heart for the Muslim world. You, you, so just to clarify, you are at just a worship night yeah. and you hear this. Yes. Is it an audible voice? Yeah. In inaudible, inaudible voice. That's okay. what I, years later, I learned yeah. what it was called. <laughs> okay, like, inaudible voice. Had you ever experienced this before? Never. So I you, didn't even know God spoke. Oh, I thought he only spoke in the Bible. Okay. Yeah. So, so okay, continue the story. I'm excited to hear. Yeah, so yeah, what yeah, happened yeah. after you, you heard this? Yeah, so I didn't know the the magnitude of it. Um, but what, what happened, I literally had a heart transplant. So it was like mm-hmm. my, my heart, my... <laughs> I can feel the presence of the Lord when I talk about this. So, such a special gift God gave me. I'm like so, I feel so privileged that he gave me his heart. So it was like my heart, his heart was um, getting used to my body. So mm-hmm. every day something different would happen. It would change in me. And mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't, I didn't even ask for this actually. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a sovereign heart transplant. And so I would see a Muslim and I'd be like, I must go talk to her. When before I was like, I will never serve God. I will never be in, I would go to church, sure, and I'll spend time with God. But I will never um, talk to another Muslim. I will never share my faith. I will never Mm. speak Arabic again. I will never go on a mission trip even. No, never. Mm. So when I would see a Muslim, I'd be like. This is why you're in the States. Yeah, yeah. Costa Mesa. So I'm like. I must talk to her. And then I, you know, all of a sudden I'd hear someone's going on a mission trip. I'm like, I wish I was going. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, mm. it was this strange thing to just watch God completely transform me. And I didn't tell Dave right away because I wanted, I, again, I didn't know about callings and this and the and the prophetic and when God speaks and this. And so where the grace is given and, and all that. I didn't know mm. that. So I'm like, okay, I just want to wait to make sure this is not an emotional sure. thing. Because if I tell him... And God wasn't asking me to give my life to them in the Middle East, but I said, I want to be, I want to get it. I want to get to the point where I would be willing to spend the rest of my life in the Middle East before oh. I tell him. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah, I didn't yeah, think yeah. that would be fair to him. Right. <laughs> so I did, I got to that point. I don't, I think it was after a month and I'm like, I can, wow. I can, it was like my heart was already in the Middle East and my body had to follow it. That's I, I told Dave, I said, Dave, you're not going to believe what happened. I have to go back overseas. I have to live there. Wow. I want to, I want to spend the rest of my life there. And he was like, Oh my goodness. And then, you know, he just said from there, he's like, okay, we'll never make any decisions apart. We, you know, I will never move to another country unless we're totally at peace with it. We're a team. Let's get some mentors around us. So we got these, um, older couples that were seasoned in ministry and we just, for the next, you know, seven, eight months, we were meeting with them and and our marriage had completely changed Mm -hmm. and David completely changed and I had completely changed. And I felt like I was floating for the first time in my life. I felt like, I think God likes me, you know, like I really didn't think he liked me before. I thought he he had to love me because he has to love us, but I didn't think he liked me. And I thought I felt so special and I realized he has this for everybody. It's not just because I have a calling to the Middle East. It's this, every person is so special and Mm. such a treasure to him. And I had no idea. Wow. So I was like floating. It was like I was born again, again, you know, again. And, 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 and then. My mom wasn't a believer at the time and she was yeah, living for my kids. And I'm like, I told her when I arrived, I don't worry, mom, I'm never going overseas again. Hmm. So I realized, uh oh, yeah. I got to tell her what's happening. So I waited um, because I was like, well, this is going to be hard. And so I wrote her a letter, actually, even though she only lived 15 minutes away, you know, <laughs> because I just couldn't tell her in person. And and it. And so my greatest nightmare would be for my mom to shut me off. That would sure. have been my greatest nightmare. But I was literally floating in a way in God's love and purpose for my life wow. that I knew it, it would hurt her. Yeah. But I knew I, I, I wanted to follow God. Yeah. Like nothing could stop me from following him. Yeah. And so yeah. I told her and she, she literally cut off relationship with me. She wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't look at me. She wants to see my kids, but she wouldn't look at me. She wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't let us stay with them. Now, was it because that you you were going back to the Middle East or because you got, I guess, reborn, born again? Like, what what was the reason? It was, she said, you lied. Oh, okay. You lied. And it was the pain that she was feeling that I'm going to take her grandkids. Got it. Yikes, okay. who are one and three at the time. Yeah. Or okay. less than that, six months and two. So she, it wow. was like I was killing her. Mm. But there was such, there was so much grace for me, like I hate causing people pain. Like it's, sure. oh my goodness. It's one of the things I try to avoid, you know? And so the fact that I'm causing my mom excruciating pain, yet I'm able to separate from that 
because God has just transformed my life. Because yeah. I literally felt dead before and now I'm alive, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I know you're going to sort that out. Not sure how, but... So we ended up, we needed a place to stay. She said, no, we couldn't even stay with them. She didn't mm. go to the airport when we said goodbye. Um, so, you know, we're leaving and so that, you know, literally one year to the day that I got my call. Like okay. it was crazy. Mm. We left to go to Qatar. Um, the good, good thing about that is, um, they were coming for the first Christmas when we're living in Qatar and I'm like, how's this going to work with her not talking to me? And then she called me in like November and she's like, I just want you to know, I just want to ask your forgiveness. Wow. I've been in a Bible study, BSF Bible wow. study. And I realized that I can either choose to resist the will of God or I can get on board. And she's like, I don't want to resist the living God. Mm. And I was like, no way. So from that <laughs> time, you know, that was amazing. So, but you know, the, the ministry in the Middle East had been um, basically debating and many Muslims, they didn't respect me because... Uh, my, my faith they didn't respect because here I am an American speaking Arabic and um, and that's it. That's all I have is words. Mm. It was very weird to, I would say my truth and then they would say their truth and it would be the opposite, right? Okay. Like Jesus is God. No, they would believe Jesus is only a prophet. He never died. Um, and I'm like, but my Bible says mm. Jesus is God. Well, the Quran says he's not. And I'm like, huh, what, what do you do? You yeah, know, like yeah. everything was like that. So there was just a standstill. Mm. There was, there was nowhere to go. And I felt like those years, all those years, I feel, I felt like even my first year back in, in the Middle East with the call that the, the evangelism or sharing our faith was like hitting our head against a wall. Mm. Like, cause bam. it was just basically knowledge yeah, exactly. of, of the Bible. Yep. Okay. Only yeah. knowledge, my fact versus your fact, which yeah. they're looking at me like they're thinking, okay, Everybody I've ever known is a Muslim. Yeah. All my family are Muslim. Um, yeah. This is my truth. And you're an American coming to me in your Arabic telling me that that's not the truth. Got it. So how long do you think you all ministered that way? We ministered that way for seven years. For seven years. Yeah. And then what happened? And then, so the second year in Qatar, we were invited to... Um, this meeting and a pastor called and said, I want you guys to come. A woman is coming and she's a prophetess. Hmm. And I was like, okay, what is that? That's super <laughs> weird. Um, and a woman shouldn't be preaching anyway. You, which, th- you thought that? Yes! Wow. Not terrible. Okay. I do not believe that anymore. I preach. So, and of course, lovely Nicole does too. So I'm like super nervous that a woman is preaching. And pro- what I thought prophecy was end time. Cause I came from like, sure. Orange County, where we were all into end time prophecy through Calvary. So I didn't know about prophecy. I didn't know God spoke. Literally, only you read the Bible, and that's the only way He speaks. Mm. So I get to the. I tell Dave first of all, I'm not going. Um, and then he said, No, we have to go. You know, we fought the whole way there, and then we get there. And what I loved what she said was, um, she gave a little bit of a word, and then before she started um, talking, pointing out different people in the crowd and stuff, it was only like a hundred people, but. She said, okay, these, wor- these words I'm going to give you from God are not a guarantee. You have to follow God and obey him yeah. for them to come to pass. I really liked that. I was like, okay. And then they, each one were recorded on a cassette. And so she would give us the cassette after she was done with the words. Super cool. And she said, you need to listen to this. And then you, you know, after when you leave and be praying through it and following the Lord, mm. you know, and I loved that. Mm. Um, and so she was pointing out different people and saying things. I knew no one. So I was like, that's nice. That's nice. Like it wasn't hitting me. So she, she preached a little word and then she was individually targeting people and prophesying yes. over them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then she said, excuse me, what are your names? And we're like, Dave and Natalie. And then um, (laughs) she began to give us the most detailed, first of all, just kind of facts about who we are. You know, she described our personality. She described our marriage in a very honoring, not not exposing any sin or any thing, things that made us laugh actually are the way we do things, you know, and it really caught our attention. So we're like, Mm. oh, this woman is hearing from God. And then, she started giving us a in picture form what we've been doing, what we were doing at the time, and what we will do until the day wow. we die. 
it was, and we just wept and wept. And I had never cried in church. Like hmm. church wasn't a place for emotions at all. You know, it's a place that you, I don't know. There was no emotions weren't good. That's what I thought in church. Hmm. So for me to like, just be bawling, 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 because I, I, it was incredible. The word that hmm. she was getting that we would see revival in the Middle East um, you know, that, that for what we're doing, that there'd been no, there was no one ahead of us in the Middle East doing what we were doing. And so it was like a, wow. a path that we had to, you know, we, we were a double-edged sword and there was like a machete. And so we were cutting down these thick, you know, this thick brush and these thick, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, leaves. And then we come along a, a you know, like a, a, a village that's very primitive and we're not only giving them fish, but we're teaching them how to fish. Oh, that's good. And then the next one was, then we, you know, impact a city. And the next thing is we impact even greater and greater, greater yeah. like that. And, and then basically we'd see the revival. Mm. And so I, I was so touched. So we get in, I was like amazed. And Dave was amazed. We get in the car and we say, whatever that was, mm. we have to have. Wow. Cause you we had never seen anyone prophesy like that before. Never, never. I didn't okay. know it existed. Okay. And so for me at that time, I was thinking, this would work really well. Like I've been praying for the woman at the well kind of wow. Jesus stuff. I didn't know anyone did it. So I was like, I want to do that. I want to do what Jesus did with the woman at the well, yeah. that, that he told her everything that she had ever done. Yeah. Right. And, and new details about her life that got her attention. And I'm like, that would work with Muslims. Wow. Right. Mm. So when I got in the car, I'm like, this is that Dave, this is that, this is what I've been mm. asking for. And so, um, but it sent us on a journey of so much more than just, um, learning how to hear from God. Yeah. But, you know, we started reading um, Jack Deere's books, um, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit and Surprised by the Voice of God. Mm-hmm. And he has a very similar background where, you know, he came from a cessationist background and how God, uh, cessationist meaning that you believe, that he believed that the the gifts of the Spirit had ceased after the apostles died. Yeah. And how God broke into his life. So we read his books and then Dave got in contact with him and said, hey, would you mentor us? Wow. <laughs> Come on. And Jack said, yes. Wow. <laughs> so um, that was, that's how we started our journey on how to hear from God. And then, you know, then it came along with how to pray for the, how to heal the sick and that God did that. We didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the things that come with the power of the spirit on. on this journey. And so we were in a very learning in many, for many years, maybe for maybe four three or four years just learning and inviting people to come to the Middle East and, and gain, you know, okay, we want to hear from God. Okay. So we're going to invite this guy from the UK. So we didn't get the top names, Mm -hmm. but we got like their assistants or down below them. They were just as anointed. They just didn't have the name, you know, like not Randy Clark, but you know, Tom Rotolo, which he's, I know he's more famous now, but, but he wasn't then. Mm-hmm. And so he came, um, cause we couldn't afford to pay for the, all the, the needs sure. that they would have, you know, we were just a small group, but it was so fun. So we'd have conferences in Qatar and wow. we'd go places when we were home in the summer, we'd go to everything we could, you know, we became ravenous, um, for anything to learn to, um, you know, what the gifts of the spirit really were for the believer. Yeah. So how that impacted our ministry in in um, Qatar? We were there nine years, and then we went to Kuwait. But it became it was it became so fun to minister because mm. I'd go into you know a room with you know whatever fifteen Qataris. They like to meet on a on a Friday night and have dinner together. And I'd walk in, and one would be like you know one would have a sickness or something. I'm like oh you know I'm learning how to hear from God and to how to heal the sick. Can I pray for you? And so, you know, certain ones would get healed. Mm. Um, you know, things would happen like that or they'd start talking about their, um, they see a lot of demons over there, you know? So it's like common, like, oh yeah, yeah. Demon visits her every night and, mm. you know, tells her the future. And I was like, oh my goodness. So, you know, the answer to that or her house is, you know, she sees them. So would you come and do, I was like, oh, I can come and pray and make that go. <laughs> and so when, instead of me going into the room where I'm, um, you know, this young American at that time, I was 30 when, 32 when we, we were in Qatar. I'm not this young American that has no um, authority in my faith. Yeah. I became the authority. Come on. Right? I walk into the room and they'd say, she heals. If anybody needs anything, go sit by her. Wow. And so they would come, you know, they'd come and sit by me. And, and as I began to grow in it, I became more confident in which really mm. helps in um, learning to pray for the sick and then learning to hear from God and be able to, to give 
this is what God's saying to you right now. Yeah. Um, and so that has just changed everything for ministry in the Middle East. Wow. And not only with Muslims do we, you know, minister like this, but we're in any restaurant in Kuwait or in any um, mall or whatever, we will go into shops. So whether it's a Filipino or an Indian or, you know, they have a lot of guest workers there or another American or whatever, we also minister to them. We will get word, we will, mm. we will get words of knowledge for a, someone's sick, you know, sickness. So let's say um, we, we began to start to feel people's pain. So we'd say, oh, excuse me. No, this is a weird question. Let's say she's at the cashier, Filipino. Do you have a pain in your shoulder? Mm. And she'd go, huh? how'd you know? And we're like, well, God just showed us. So can wow. we, when we pray, then, you know, you'll get healed. And so we do this all the time. Come on. The way we do in the Middle East so that we're not caught and kicked out because we were kicked out of Qatar. Um, we don't have our eyes closed. We don't, when we're praying, we don't lay hands on anybody. Mm. So I just say, because some of them get scared too, the people that work in these shops are like, don't worry. No one's going to know we're praying. I'm going to, I'm going to pray wow. for you. Like I'm talking, like I might even pick up a mug and say in Jesus name, you know, as I'm looking at the mug in Jesus name, shoulder be healed. Whoa. All pain go right now, you know, break off the shock and trauma. And then I'm like, okay, how is it? And the whole time I'm looking at her, I'm looking oh, at the mug. Okay. And then she's like, I'm, it's healed. How did you know? And wow. so a lot of the Filipinos and Indians are Christians. And so we'll have names of pastors where they have Filipino churches and oh, awesome. Indian churches. And so we will recommend those churches yeah. um, so they can be discipled. And, and some of them coming out of backgrounds, maybe Catholic background where they weren't believers. I know there's Catholic believers, but then yeah, there's yeah. those that aren't. And so, um, you know, leading them back to the Lord. And so it has been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So I want you to share, um, I want you to share the testimony that you shared with me maybe a month ago about the lady in the restaurant. Okay. Can you, can you share that? Cause I just think it's a powerful testimony and you know, as at least I think the Christians in America, I think, I guess I shouldn't say the majority, but I've heard of, you know, uh, Muslims having dreams or visitations from Jesus. And, you know, you hear these things, but it's different when you're connected with someone who's yeah. actually in relationship or has, have met these people. So I'd love for you to share that testimony, um, of the, the gal in the restaurant. Awesome. Yes. So for years I've been praying, um, cause I do hear these testimonies. I, I've met some, some women, um, they had a, a dream of, um, yeah, they had a dream of Jesus and you hear it, yeah, I had that 10 years ago, and then then someone met them, and then they became believers, and I'm like, Lord, I want to meet, mm. like if I go to a mall, wait, there must be, if there's thousands of people, it's a very, very big mall, like a mile long, there must be, there's th- there's probably a thousand people in this mall, someone must have had a dream, mm-hmm. right, in this mall, will you will you match that up, can I meet that person? Yeah. Like I pray, I prayed this for a few years now, Yeah, and so a month ago, um, my friend and I are meeting in the mall, in, in Kuwait and we're going to go around our hobby is to have lunch, but then go to all these different shops and pray for people. Like Mm. we love it because people come alive when you, when you, I know people like, I know you guys, some listeners, you guys know what I'm saying. It's amazing, right? Like I come alive when I do this. It's like my favorite thing Mm. to do. It's like on a Saturday, like let's go get lunch and pray for the sick and prophesy over people. Mm. So we're ready to do that. And I'm waiting in Applebee's in Kuwait. Um, we have a lot of cool restaurants anyway. So I'm sitting there and my friend calls me. She's like, the one I'm supposed to be meeting. She's like, come now. And I'm like, where are you? I met, and she named this other restaurant. And I was like, wait, I already ordered iced tea. Like what's going on? She's like, come now. And I'm like, oh, wow. She doesn't talk like that. It's like very (laughs) urgent. So I leave Applebee's. She tells me where she is. And I walk down and I'm like, okay, what's going on? She's sitting with three Muslims, three Kuwaitis. And I'm like, okay, her heart, my, my heart's for the Muslims. She is not called for that. Like she came to Kuwait for just whatever God had. Hmm. So this is interesting to see her sitting with three Muslims, right? Like that would normally be me. So anyway, she's like, um, let me just give you a little backstory. Like she's saying this in front of them. Like she's like, I was in the bathroom before I called you. And she also, she had felt a a pain. Um, my friend Colleen had felt up in her back for, um, the bathroom attendant, like they always stay in the bathroom and they clean it. Okay. I don't know if you, you don't have that here, right? Like in fancier places. Okay. Yeah. They have it everywhere in Kuwait. Okay. So there was two Indian, um, bathroom attendants. Um, and so they didn't understand her. 
because she only sp- ah. speaks English. So she asks, she's so bold. She asks the Kuwaiti Muslim in the bathroom, excuse me, can you translate for me? Wow. Because they could understand Arabic, these Indians. Yeah, yeah. So she, <laughs> she has this Kuwaiti Muslim translate what she wants to do and then translate her prayer. Okay. What in the world? So, so explain, Natalie, because you're saying this with a lot of shock. Right. Like this isn't normal, right? Right, right. First of all, I mean, it's against the law, right? And the, the you know, the Muslim, you know, you're having them say a Christian prayer, like in right. Jesus' name. Right. Like totally, you know, like totally offensive to a Muslim and totally against the law in Kuwait. So I'm okay. like, but maybe she doesn't know. She, she might listen to this. That's going to be hilarious when she hears that. So anyway, um, keep going, Colleen. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> anyway, so that, um, the, the Indians get healed. And then, so she. Sorry, yeah. I just want to make sure because our, yeah. our listeners who may not be be used to this. So she gets a pain in her yeah. back. She asks um, the bathroom attendant, "Is do you have pain in your back?" They say yes, mm-hmm. and then she prays mm-hmm. through the the Muslim, yep. mm-hmm. and then the lady gets healed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So when Colleen goes to leave, because then the the Kuwaiti left, and so when Colleen le- um, goes out outside, um, leaves the bathroom, there is the Kuwaiti, and she said, "Are you a healer?" Mm. And and Colleen said, yes. She's like, okay, you must come to my table because my grand Reiki master Whoa. is sitting with us. And you must meet her. Whoa. She's my teacher. So that is that is where I arrive. And Colleen introduces me as her teacher because I prayed for Colleen and she was healed of an autoimmune disease. Wow. And then got set set on fire. And so she was like, <laughs> it was like grand Reiki master versus, you know, me, oh Natalie. My. It was so funny. So um, anyway, so we're sitting there and talking. And at first it's very like a much of a power encounter. It feels like this, mm. like she's very into Reiki, which is a new age healing where you, you just welcome whatever energy is in the room. You just kind of welcome it and you use that as your power to actually almost like suck heal, suck the sicknesses out of people and onto your own body. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was telling her, I was like, oh, guess what? I said, she's like, does it hurt you? Do you know when you do this? I said, oh, no, you don't understand. Jesus takes on all our sickness. Come on. All our pains, all our sin. I never have to carry any of it. Any of it. It made me appreciate Jesus even more wow. because the, sometimes I've talked to another Reiki master. Unfortunately, we have a lot of them amongst the Muslims. Um, and she said it takes her two weeks to get rid of someone's pain out of her own body. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize weird. that. Yeah. And Hindus Hindus do that too. Um, I, I led a, a, a Hindu who's like high caste Brahmin. She was also a healer. And she had sucked her mom's healing out of her body. And then it went up her arm and literally like paralyzed her arm. Whoa. And so she came to me because she couldn't get rid of it. And she got totally healed. Come but guess on. what? It wasn't sickness. It was actually a demon. Got it. So that was quite yeah. fun to get rid of. So... We're back to the table and we're sharing and, and, um, and it was really not going well. It really wasn't going well because she was so like, I'm the grand Ricky master and I, and me and my power and all this. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, and Colleen, she can't see Colleen and Colleen's like shaking her head. Like, Oh man. And all of a sudden Colleen's like, she gets a word. Like she says, um, did one of you have a car accident and it was a life changing experience for you? And they're all went still. And the Grand Reiki Master said, yes, that was mm. me. That's what's changed my whole life. I had a car accident a few years ago. I was at death's door and whatever. And so Colleen's like, you were given a choice at that point and you chose Reiki and you didn't choose Jesus. Whoa. And she said, and Jesus wants you to, I can't believe she says, so awesome. Jesus wants you to lay down all of this and just lay down Reiki, lay down everything and just say, Jesus, what do you have for me? Wow. And I mean, I think the woman was, you know, she was shocked, but all of a sudden her defenses went down the, I'm the Reiki master. She became super humble. It was very interesting. Mm -hmm. She recognized the authority, right? Where before she was kind of, she was the authority. She thought she absolutely, you know, so that, that prophetic, you know, that word from the word that God gave Colleen just boom, snapped it open, which was so beautiful. And then, um, when I had asked her before, wait, do you have any injuries with that? No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then Colleen's like, wait, do you have back pain? She said, 
Oh, yes, I do, actually. So then we prayed for her, and she started feeling the power of the Holy Spirit. And she was even sitting there like, oh, my goodness, I can feel this. Yes, I feel what's going on. And then she asked me, by the way, what... So we kind of, you know, that was good. Things were changing. The atmosphere was changing. That was awesome. And then she's like, by the way, what do you do? And I thought, might as well go for it, right? So I said, well, um, actually, my husband and I lead a church, and... um, and I help a lot of people and I pray for people and I coach people and all this. And she's like, um, what kind of church do you go to? Are you Catholic? Are you Orthodox? Hmm. Okay, I never say this word. I never, never say it because Muslims wouldn't know or Arab speakers wouldn't know what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. And so I said, um, I'm Protestant. And she's like, Protestant? Oh my goodness. I had a dream last week that I was in a church and I was being converted from um, Islam to Christianity. I was going through a conversion ceremony. And the the pastor, he put a silver cross necklace around my neck. And he said, he took the cross and he said, you are Protestant. You Whoa. are Protestant. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I thought I, I wanted to like get up off the table and scream super loudly yeah. like, out of joy, out of, I can't even believe this happening right now. You know, when you see something happening before you that you prayed for for years, you're like, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it. But I I was like, okay, that's amazing. You know, really (laughs) kind of calm, like, because we're in the middle of a mall. So then I was, and then we started talking about that and what does that mean? And what kind of, what does your church look like? And, you know, what do you guys do? And, and, you know, I just kind of described them like, oh, when you come to our church, You'll feel the presence mm. of God. Speaking you know? our language, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Because mm-hmm. you're super into energy and power yes. and presence, you know. And um, anyway, kind of described that a little bit. And then she's like, but you know another weird thing that happened? I said, what? And she said, so my niece came. So I, after I had the dream, she said she told her husband and her son. So her niece comes over to the house like maybe three days after she had the dream. And she's like... Um, auntie, I had a really strange dream and I want to tell you about it, um, but it's really weird. And she's like, okay, well, tell me. She said, I was in a church and I was being converted to Christianity from Islam. Wow. And the pastor came over, put a silver necklace around my neck. Wow. Took the cross in his hand and said, you are Protestant. You are Protestant. Wow. I, I'm like, I'm like, my, my, my head is exploding because I can't even grasp what is happening right now yeah. and what God just did yeah. last week. This isn't five years ago, 20 years ago. This is right now, hot off the press. She had it mm. and her niece. And she's like, can I come to your church? The, the Reiki master yes. is asking me. I have to come to your church since it's my church. Wow. Mm-hmm. And my niece. Can I bring her? Uh, yes. So she's like, I have to come, you know, this is, and then the other, the other Muslim was so weird. She's like, yeah, you've, cause people don't talk like this cause it's against the law. Well, actually interesting. Cause she's this grand Reiki master and energy and all this talk. And she says, you know, though in real life, I couldn't do that because I'd be killed. Wow. And I'm thinking interesting that a, a person so involved in the new age that, that she would actually say that like, yeah. Some most Muslims know that, but some don't. So I was actually surprised, oh, wow. and I was like, "Well, I'm sure God would work it out," you know. <laughs> so anyway, she's saying that, and then um, one of the well, Muslim women says, "But weren't you just saying that you're really like disillusioned with Islam, and you were kind of searching?" And I'm like, "I say what?" You know, oh, I was wow. like, "Oh my goodness!" So this is one story, mm. and we have many, many amazing mm. ones. This was. The most amazing so far in the 28 years. Wow. Um, But it's like living on the edge and just every day like, okay, Lord, what's going to happen today? Yeah. And this does not happen every day, but it's like I wake up with the expectation because there's this grace and this joy that God has given me um, because he gave me his heart that feels like cheating. It feels like cheating. Like people are like, oh, wow, you're so brave. You live in the Middle East. I'm like, you don't understand. Like I was the one that didn't want to be there. And because Mm -hmm. he gave me his heart, it's 
where I love to be, where I experience, okay, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, anyway, I experience, I experience a lot of joy here too, but so much joy and mm-hmm. so much expectation and so much life. And I come alive when I'm there. Yeah. And so it's such a privilege to, but it's been, to serve God. And it's been an incredible journey. And you would say that the power of God and really introducing the Holy Spirit in, into or the, or the Holy Spirit introducing you into what it's like to do ministry with Him has changed everything. Absolutely, you would say that was the turning point. Absolutely, of having joy, the heart of the Father, oh, yes. and being able to prophesy over people yes. and share yes. on a more intimate level versus apologetically going after yeah. people and giving just knowledge and logic. Yeah, there's been a shift in the ministry of partnering with the Holy Spirit in this. Absolutely. So what would you say, I I, want to wrap this up here in just a couple of minutes, but what would you say to someone listening who maybe they've been in ministry for 28 years or 10 years or five years or whatever, and they've never experienced something like this. In fact, they might be listening going, that lady is crazy. (laughs) I don't believe that. Like that's, that's wild. What would you say to someone um, who, who's never experienced this or who might want to experience this? What would be, you know, the first steps of, wait a second, is that even real? Or how do I get that? What, what would, what would you say to them? I would say a couple of things. If you know anybody, like you say, you know, anybody that, that has, has, you know, known, knows about how to hear from God or knows how to hear that, um, heal the sick that you go to them and it's good and go to them and talk to them about it. I didn't have anybody at that point. Another thing to start off real basic is with these books by Jack Deere, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. If you're coming from a, a background where you don't see, you've never seen it, um, you know, that's a very great way to, that's what we re- usually recommend to people to yeah. start there um, and, and, and just continue. But then find a place as well, find a place, a church where you could visit and you could see, maybe you don't want to leave your church, but you could go to a Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, you know, we go to the vineyard and, you know, they have Wednesday night classes called Life in the Spirit. You know, that now there's so many podcasts you can listen to. And yeah. even asking um, Nicole, you know, what do you recommend, Nicole? Or if you're on this podcast, you know Nicole. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I would say that. Like, that's what Jack Deere recommended to us. He said, um, get around people that, that do believe in it and that do walk in it. He also said, um, which we've continued for 20 years now to, he said, you know, before we were very into strategy, like everything was strategy and there was like, worship was just, okay, do the two songs and let's get to strategy. Right. Cause we have to figure out how to, how to reach Muslims. And I forgot some stuff. We, we actually have tried every method that's possible. Wow. So, um, we've tried becoming, we used to call ourselves Muslims that follow Jesus because Muslim means one submitted to God. So I wore the scarf, the black cape. I lived in a very yeah, conservative neighborhood. And we tried that. That didn't work. We've tried apologetics, like I said. Um, you know, whatever. You name it, we tried it. Nothing wow. worked. Nothing. So we saw fruit. We didn't see fruit in our own lives. And we didn't see fruit in in anybody coming to Christ. So um, anyway, so this is so cool. So he told us, okay, gather people that would be hungry for the same kind of thing, like learning how to hear the voice of God. Yeah. And so he said, and just put on worship. Put a... CD at that point, just put a CD on and have no agenda and just wait on the Lord. So good. That was hilarious at first because I would close my eyes and I would only see black and I'd be like, I can't see anything. (laughs) Like I didn't know about the mind's eye, you know, that, you know, how to hear from God at all. But it was such a fun journey to just put worship music on and wait on the Lord, Yeah, you know, and that, that worship and his presence became the number one mm-hmm. instead of strategy. Yeah. And that's changed everything. And, you know, I want to, I want to even add because you guys still do that at yes. times. Um, Natalie and her husband, Dave led a group this summer in our home and um, there were people in the room. I don't know that I've actually even shared this with you, but there are people in the room that could, could lead worship. My husband could have led worship there. There was another gal. She could have led worship, but there was something special that you all carried and that you carry where the importance, um, was really camping around the presence of God, not making sure there was structure. And and my husband and I have become less structured over the years as we've just seen the fruit of the Holy Spirit and really waiting upon Him. However, you know, I'm thinking, 
these people are in our home. Um, you know, someone could sing and play guitar and then they could preach or share or whatever. But, um, there was a really significant moment even this past summer where, um, you guys turned on worship music on the TV or the phone or something. And I had this like moment. It was probably one of the top 10 holiest moments Mm. I've experienced because you could feel the, um, the importance of the presence and not around a person, wow. not around the performance, yes. not around what every home group or Bible study typically looks like. And I, I, I just had this moment etched in my head where we're all in a circle and we were listening to this song. And I don't even think it was a song that I knew. It was one that, that Dave, your husband, had said, I really feel God on this one. And it was such a holy moment because it was so pure. There was nobody trying to do anything or, um, and I'm not saying if you lead worship, at a church or a home group or whatever. I'm not saying that that's wrong. That's amazing. The gift is is for, you know, the ministry, but there was just something really pure about um no agenda. And I think the reason I wanted to share that is because a lot of times we think, well, we can't gather people in our home because, you know, we don't have a worship leader or who's going to teach or who's going to yes. do this. And like, how are we going to make this happen when really you all kind of reopen my eyes to just gather mm. and see what God does. And um and that was super special and a, just a reminder for us, like, you know, my husband could teach or could lead worship or whatever, but you don't have to have this strategy, like you were saying, or this agenda. Yeah. What if it looked like just, I'm going to ask these five people or 10 people to come to my home and we're going to sit there and we're going to go, God, do something. Yeah. And then yeah. someone in the group starts preaching or someone in the group just starts singing or it's not focused on whose gift is to lead worship or who's, or if you don't have a worship leader, you just turn on worship yeah. on your TV. Like it's just as grand, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to share that because it's something you all have continued to do, yes. even though there have been opportunities in the room, there's such a focus on the presence of God. So I've, I've loved that. So if you're listening to this and you, you know, maybe you got stirred up during this podcast or you're thinking, I'd love to gather people in my home and learn how to hear from God. It can be very simple. It doesn't have yes. to be. It doesn't have to be difficult or planned out or uh, structured and all that good stuff. So I, I love that. Well, Natalie, thank you for sharing all that. I'm super excited for people to listen to this. And you know, if any of you are listening and you have questions or um, just thoughts or need more resources, you know, you're welcome to reach out to me. You can find me on all the social media platforms, um, and I would love to connect you with any resources or churches um, in and around your area if I know of any. Um, but like Natalie said, there's so many podcasts and YouTube videos and this and that. The resources are out there. Um, so if you are in need of those, I would love to connect you. But um, yeah, thanks again, Natalie, yeah, for, for being on the podcast. She, she is leaving in just a couple of days to go back to the Middle East. So I wanted to, to get her on here before she left. Um, but super grateful for you and your ministry and your heart for California and the Middle East yeah, and you. for how you all have sewn in to, um, to my husband and I and, and just people here in Orange County. So, um, yep, if you guys need resources, again, feel free to reach out and I'll catch you on the next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to connect with me on any of the social media platforms, you can find me at Nicole Lynn Rowan. 